Welcome to episode one of the Why Men podcast. Why Men meaning youth ministry sponsored by St. Paul's Episcopal Church Youth Ministries. St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Check us out at stpaus-ws.org or our youth website, which is speyouth.org, speyouth.org. Today's podcast is a little personal. It's about somebody I've known for quite a long time. It's a young man named Garrison Pollock. He, uh, when I met him, he was in seventh grade, and he's getting ready to graduate college at NC State right now to pursue a career in youth ministry. I've had the privilege of having him as one of my interns in my previous position, and we just wanted to kind of talk about what it, what it is uh, mm-hmm. to be a youth minister today what it is to be someone who wants a career in youth ministry, and uh, kind of uh, give him some tips on uh, his interview process and what he's been going on with that, and uh, how difficult it can be to start a career in youth ministry. Garrison is an awesome, great guy. He's got a great sense of humor. I hope you really, really enjoy this. And keep in mind that we are um, in a coffee shop. So this first one you're probably going to listen to, and you're going to be like, why is it so loud? Is this how it's always going to be? Not always. Sometimes it'll be just as quiet as this is right now, just between you and I. But uh, we just wanted to try a little different ambiance, and frankly, we had nowhere else to go, and it was the only time him and I could get together. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Episode one of the Why Men podcast, Garrison Pollock. Welcome to Why Men Podcast. Um, this is Nick, and I am here with my good friend Garrison Pollock, who um, we actually have a really good um, and unique um, relationship, I guess, because I've known you since you were in seventh grade. Yeah, right about seventh and, grade. And you were eight foot back then, too. Right about, right anywhere between four feet and eight foot. I'm pretty sure you were shaving more when you were in seventh grade than I was when I was in my mid-twenties when I first met you. Well, so I had to start shaving in fifth grade, because, and then... We started school starts sports started in seventh grade, and so there was we had three guys who would travel around with us and we would go to wrestling tournaments. And finally, our coach just started saying that we had to start bringing our birth certificates because they wouldn't let us compete. Oh, because so, they thought you were kind of we were rigging the system. I thought you were college students yeah. or and so we had to middle aged guys. <laughs> That's too funny. Well, you and I met. I was on a mission trip and a church. Methodist Church, and you were at a Methodist Church too. So that's when we first met. But what was really cool and unique about it is that um, we had kept in contact every time we went on the mission trip, we saw each other. And then your new youth minister came in, who was my youth minister. And so we got fairly close with that. And then when I moved to Cary, you came to state, and then you became my intern for uh, about two years. So we've both experienced the same youth minister. Right. Um, <clears throat> which is probably why we're so corrupt and, and awful. I blame I, her. I completely blame her. No, you can you can throw out names. Anybody who listens to this is going to know who she is. Yep. And um, and then you got to be my intern, so you're double corrupted. Right. So it's almost like a you, you, you got corrupted by, by Tammy, mm-hmm. and then you got corrupted by me, who's like a copy of a copy. Yep. So it's, yeah, it's like the... At, the, at this point, I'm essentially trying to reteach myself everything I didn't learn. Is the best way to describe. It. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that. So you're um, you're getting ready to graduate in a couple months, and you're looking for a job now. Yeah. And how's that going? You're looking for a youth ministry job. Sorry. Yeah. You, yeah. You're... Um, so I've been looking for a full time youth ministry position because I really feel a calling. And after interning with Tammy and now interning with you, um, I feel like it's time for me to go and put my hand my hand in the game and 
take on a program of mine, and I feel like that's where God's calling me. And it's been, I mean, it's been a struggle at times. There's not a lot of people, there's not a lot of Methodist churches in the southeast of the United States who are really looking to hire right now. Yeah. And so, yeah, let me be clear. There are a ton of United Methodist churches in the southeast. Right. There's probably more of those than Walmarts. Right. But, but there's just not a lot of positions but right now. And why is that? There's not a lot of positions right now because there's this is not a natural tra- transition time, which I understand for churches. It's not a time where people want to see someone leaving because it's mid-year. Nothing has finished. Nothing has closure yet. And so it's a hard time for churches. And also, a lot of churches do not want to invest in a full-time youth director. They want to do part-time or um, volunteer-led youth ministry, which I think is wonderful. I think that part-time youth ministers, volunteer youth ministers do not get the praise they deserve, so more praise to you. But But when they're hiring you as a professional as a part-time, really the only difference is the benefits. They're going to still expect you to be working 50, 60 hours a week. That's hard. And so, I I mean, if I'm going to start a family and I'm going to do this as a career— then that's just not a viable option for either of us. Because if I take a part-time position, then I'll, it's not fair to that church because I'll get burnt out and I'll feel like I'm underappreciated. Sure. But at the same time, if I take a part-time position, I won't be able to live off that and I won't be able to, to devote. <laughs> you can't my, live off most full-time positions right. either. <laughs> and so I won't be able to devote any time or energy because I'll be working two other part-time jobs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. And and economically, a lot of churches are starting to cut back on that, which is a shame because right. it creates a spiral. If you're not investing in that future, right. well, how do you expect the church to sustain itself? So, I mean, it, it really is a shame with that. So uh, I know you've been looking and whatnot, and, um, but you've had... You, you, you haven't even gotten interviews yet, right? You've just gotten emails saying, sorry, we're not... Well, I've actually gotten... So um, since the last time we talked, which was last Friday... Um, I got, I totally redid my cover letter and totally redid everything. And I actually got two hits now from two churches up in Virginia. Um, one at Virginia Beach, one about 30 minutes outside of Virginia Beach. And both of them have said, we really like your cover letter. We really like your resume. You're through from the first round to the second round. And now we're going to be setting up phone interviews in the next 72 hours. So I'm now waiting to do phone interviews. Oh, that's fast. What, what is their timeline? Do they want somebody within the next month or so? One of them, I don't know. school for a while. One of them, I don't know. Um, but the other one, they said they're trying to hire end of April, beginning of March. End of April, beginning of May. Sorry. Okay. I get those two M months mixed up. Yeah. And so, which I graduate May 9th. And so... That's definitely a possibility. And you could start even before, even though you have a ton of schoolwork and you're doing so many credits right now in your last semester of school. So the average college student takes 15 credit hours, and I am way overexerting myself this semester and taking six (laughs) because that's how many I have to graduate. Isn't one like independent study or something? So one of them is an independent study (laughs) on the Gospels and Historic Jesus, which is actually turning out to be a tremendous amount of reading and a tremendous amount of like learning a lot about it. It's a very interesting take on Jesus because it's not a theological stance at all. It's what what can we document as factually happened from the um, Dead Sea Scrolls and um, things like that, the Nagamati text. But the other one I'm taking is insects and people. And that is about insects and people and how they live together. That sounds like a lot of fun. And that's only like once a week and an hour a week. It's not even like a three hour. That's the independent study. That is. Okay. The the online, it's an online distance education course for (laughs) um, 
insects and people. And I have to be honest with you, and I'm going to regret saying this to any youth of mine, future or former youth of mine who hear this, is I haven't looked at the videos yet. And our first test is in a week. <laughs> but They give you videos. Wouldn't it be better than reading about insects and people? What are the videos? Like a bug's life and... That's, it's Ants? him standing in front of a slide projector. I can't. Oh, oh, so it's vi- okay. okay. It's him, him like they're quote unquote optional texts, but he told us in the syllabus not to read them. He just had to give them. So the video is just him standing there speaking. I think so. So theoretically, he could have just recorded himself and sent like a podcast or something, Correct. and you could listen to it while you ran instead of staring at some guy. Correct. Okay. I wish you would have done that. Yeah, I, I, I feel for you in that. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, good luck with that. And, and I know you and I are going to keep in contact about pursuing a position. And keep in mind that you're interviewing them, too. Right. You don't want to take just the first job or because it sounds good or you get right. a really cool title or things like that. Um, you want a place that shares the same vision, and you want to be brutally honest about that, Right. I think. Um, I've done youth ministry for 13 years and I've had both of those experiences and, I, and yeah yeah thanks <laughs> well I started when I was three and now I just got my license and uh yeah <laughs> it's so weird I know there's probably some three-year-olds that can do youth ministry better than some youth ministers um yeah so I, I've been in some places and in my last position that I just took I was so brutally honest and it was like take it or leave it type mentality free. yeah you, you have to, I think you have to do that, or else it's just going to be soul-sucking. As a friend of mine who's a church consultant, if you're not doing it on the same level, you know, kind of, youth ministries, ministry in general, there's, there's such a great spectrum of how you can do it. And as long as you find a place that's within the same realm, um, I think you'll be okay. But yeah. so many churches say, this is the way it is. And, and people who determine that are people who have not done youth ministry or maybe did it a year in the 1980s. Right. And they know everything about youth ministry because that's how it works, you know. Well, one thing I found... I saw Patch Adams, so I know how to do surgery. It's the same thing. I watched Doogie Howser. There you go. You should just have an MDiv right now. Exactly. You should have some kind of degree for watching Doogie Howser now. Good little part. I'm sure there are a lot of girls that, if they listen to this, would be like, well, I've seen Grey's Anatomy. But I don't even know if they do surgery on that show. I think they just talk and kiss. Yeah, Patrick Dempsey is just dreamy. He is a very good-looking man, I'm not going to lie. He's, he's in the Benedict Cumberbatch group. He is. Yes. Yeah. I bought Maid of Honor the other night. Oh it's such a stupid he's so movie. Good he's a, you need to. He's what I want to be in life. You need to get like early Patrick Dempsey. Like, have you ever seen Can't Buy Me Love, where he plays yeah. the nerd? It's yeah. Such a great movie. It's pretty much she's all that, but better. Yeah, or like or, she's the man, except totally different. Exactly. <laughs> you ever seen the movie Run? Yeah. He just runs in it. Yeah. He sees somebody kill somebody, and, and then he runs for it's two like hours. It really is. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of other Patrick Dempsey movies that he's been in, but um, the biggest one I can think of is Can't Buy Me Love. He's not as dreamy in that, I don't think. He's like he's like a Sean Connery. The yeah. older he gets, the better. The better he ages. Yeah. Um, I hope I can do that. I don't think I will. I, I'm essentially banking on the fact that I'm hoping I'm Benjamin Button at this point because I've looked <laughs> like I was 45 for the last 20 years. It's true. When you're, gonna, when you're in your 60s, you're going to look like 20. Yeah. You know, your pores will be perfect yep. and you won't have to shave every day. And yep. That would be super nice. That would be super nice. That could be like your whole um, 
backdrop for your apologetics at that point. Be like, this is why I know God exists. This was who I was in fifth grade with a beard, and now I'm Brendan. <laughs> you go along with my friend's theory. I have a friend who his reason, his apologetics theory is his reasoning for why Jesus exists is because you know your your pinkies, your pinkies. So his his reasoning behind this is that there has to be a God because when you get like a booger in your nose, your pinkies are just the right size to fit in your nose and get it out. That is brilliant. And that like he will say, he would say that to the man on the street he just met or to Harawasa dude. I mean, he would just, he would say that to anybody because that is his... That's his whole that's his foundation of apologetics. Yes. And and he's a deeply spiritual and faithful person and he loves Jesus, but that's where it starts for him. You, you know that people who... in which their faith-based system is complete evolution can use the same... Ex- same excuse for that side too. We've evolved to have our pinkies specifically fit our noses. Right, but the way Brian explains it, there's no evolution. Nothing makes sense besides these pinkies. Oh, so aren't. he like he like Rob Bell's it. Yes. He takes something so arbitrary and says it in such a poetic fashion. He does. And he speaks. And he 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 was this awkward kid growing up, and he ended up going and getting. I think he got an English degree at like Tufts or. NYU, I don't remember where he went, but some very smart school that I sent letters to just to frame their dismissal letter for me. And so the way he says it is this epic, poetic justification. And really, no matter what he says, you end up believing it because of the way he describes it, the way it just flows from his mouth. Yeah, I think some pastors do that where their substance is just nothing and they're so good at uh, I've, I've experienced that where they're like wow that was wonderful I have no idea what he just said and not because it's so academic it's just that all he does is speak around in circles yep. but it's it's a gift I guess Joel Osteen does it every Sunday yep. you know he speaks about literally air yep. and does it very poetically yep so that's too funny so um, well you've had a unique life um, I don't know how much you want to share about who you are, you have a great relationship with your dad, and uh, and the, the uniqueness in your relationship uh, with your right. Spill coffee on myself. Nice. Uh, that happens. Um, or um, your relationship with your brother, any of that stuff you want to share. You don't have to, but if you have any anecdotes, I know you do. You make me laugh all the time so, every time we talk about your family. So my family is the, we're this kind of hodgepodge of people. Um, grew up. Small town, Winston-Salem. It's not a small town in North Carolina, but it's not big either. And so, no, but people in Winston-Salem think it's bigger than it is. Right. You know, which is the charm, I guess, of Winston-Salem. Right. Yeah. And so, grew up, my mom passed away when we were nine, and so um, we grew up with dad, and my aunt lived with us for a while to help take care of us, and we had this kind of, I don't even know, I was trying to find some pop culture reference to kind of describe us, but there is none. We had this kind of like <laughs> ragtag family. Dad was a doctor and he was doing doctor stuff and saving lives. And we were at home and trying to figure out like what we were going to do. Is it like the real world? Kind of. A little bit. <laughs> People, I always had my friends. Brett. See kids, the real world, when we mention it in our generation, <laughs> it's a television show on MTV. We don't actually mean the actual real world. <laughs> 
speaking of real one, on a side anecdote, and for anybody under the age of 20, it's not going to understand this. But they're doing real world road rules challenges right now. Again? Of the people who were on real world and road rules. Who were still alive? 15 years ago. Oh my god. They've got to be like 45 now. Yeah, that's not that old. <laughs> that old, guys. That's crazy. I mean, that thing's been around for 20 years now. I remember. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. So anyway, going back so, to... We would do all these, like, crazy things, and we would have... We just did bizarre things. And, like, while other families were, like, going to the movies and, like, doing things, we were, like, playing music, and we were kind of like the Partridge family, except not. And so then... And we have all these bizarre memories, and we. So, Dad decided at one point that um, he wanted speakers, wired speakers, in our house from his study. He had this. My dad has this office that's very dark wood, very not fitting with the rest of our. He wanted his own library in our house, so he has this dark wood office, and so it's very cool. We wanted the stereo receiver in there, and but he wanted speakers in our living room. So you can play music from the stereo speakers in the living room. While he's in his office? Yeah. So is he, like, dictating to the family what they have to listen to or something? Kind of. It's some kind of, like, fascist perspective of how to run. Maybe there's subliminal messages on don't do drugs or something like that. It was usually actually more like Garth Brooks and Amy Grant. (laughs) She poor thing. I mean, not that I don't like Garth Brooks, but Amy Grant mixed in there. He just came out with a new album, Garth Brooks did. Oh, I know, I know. It's awesome. It's not bad, yeah. No. No, when I say I'm you poor thing, I'm leaning more towards the Amy Grant. She's an angel. She's an angel. She does have porcelain-like skin. She does. She's a beauty. She does. Um, in the words of Lewis Black, her skin is just made of cream. <laughs> That's true, man. I mean, she's she's a good-looking woman. Yes. Um, but so, Dad decided. So, what do we do? We don't. We don't. Nothing was ever done quite right at the Pollock House. So we didn't hire somebody to do this. We didn't find out. Dad buys a mile and a half worth of speaker cable. <laughs> we drill a hole through the floor in his office. And his, my sister and I, who were probably five and seven at the time. So I picture five and seven-year-olds drilling holes in a floor. Correct. You're picturing correctly. Okay. <laughs> How old is Audrey right now? She's three. And yeah. Eleanor's five. So I picture like Eleanor. Yes, that's yeah. essentially what it is. That's okay. And so then he goes, okay. Now he says we go in the basement and there's a crawl space under the whole house. And he goes, okay, go find the wire. <laughs> He kills so, a five and six year old to go in the crawl. So we're crawling around, <laughs> dragging this wire, and it's dirty and damp. And well, we did it. <laughs> we got it done. Oh my gosh! And that's the last time I saw my sister. It, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we did this. We did all the kind of kind of crazy stuff like that. And so I I can remember doing things. We would go up to my grandfather's house, and at 10, 11, 12, I would be bush hogging fields. And for those of you who don't know what a bush hog is, it's not an animal. <laughs> it's this giant tractor with a giant lawnmower on the back of it. And I've seen that thing hurl 20, 30 pound rocks 100 yards. It's terrifying. Well, that's just what we did. I mean, we just did, we just figured out how to do it, figured out how to do all that kind of stuff. This is funny. I've never heard that story. That's really good. I picture a little garrison, which you were probably five foot then, 
at age of five. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what it was. One time we were we had Garth Brooks blaring. We were dancing around to the standing outside the fire. We were making chocolate chip cookies because that's what we do. I mean, it's what our fun thing is. And I got tangled up, and Dad sat on my head, and now I have a scar forever under my chin. That's horrible. Nice. Because my father sat on me. <laughs> that's too funny. Well, at least it wasn't boring at the Pollock household. Never. It's almost like living with Willy Wonka. It was. It yeah. was bizarre. It's <laughs> too funny. That's too funny. So how did, um, what was like some of your big impressions on how you lean towards ministry? I know, you know, typically people get a call and sometimes they get a call and they've never had any experience or anything like that before. But I would say most times you get a call because there's some kind of foundation. And really it's because, and I think God plants those seeds in preparation, but also is that I believe that we're more in tune to hearing the call if we have a foundation. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, for me it was, so Tammy, are you finished her? Which, if you're 26 now, she's probably... She's eight years older than me, so 43. Yeah, we love to say that in public. She's 26, then she's probably... 29. All right. You're welcome there, Tam. Okay. So Tammy's 29 now. And so, um, again, she came, my fr- <laughs> she came my freshman year of high school. Our youth minister, who I was close with at the time, um, moved back to Tulsa. In Tulsa is in Tulsa, Colorado. Oklahoma? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Tulsa, yeah. Oklahoma. And he, um, he went and he had known Tammy for a long time. They had worked on different projects together. And so he said, you need to apply for the job. So Tammy applied and she never heard back, actually. Really? Um, never heard back. And so Todd, the youth minister, called her and was like, hey, how'd it go? How did it? Tammy was like, well, I actually never heard back from. And Todd was like, I'll call you back. Click. <laughs> and then she got a phone call and then she ended up being a great candidate for the position. And so she came down, and this is, I, again, this is bad. But so the first night Tammy and I ever met, there was, on our mission trips, we used to do, we used to steal the video camera for the mission trip. And we would do, like, a, like, never too risque, but semi-risque, like striptease burlesque thing and our youth minister would put it in the video like the slideshow like it was a thing like he would put it in there and so the first night we ever meet Tammy she comes to our mission trip welcome home party and they just play the slideshow of all the pictures and at the end there it is all of us in the striptease and I know she walked in going I got, I got a lot of work to do on these kids because they do the strip teases on the mission trips. But then, I mean, so we started hanging out and more and more. And we actually didn't hang out for the first years. I mean, we hung out because she's already been, but we didn't really know each other for the first year. And then I found out that um, she had been working at the church for a year and nobody had really recognized it. And so, in the middle of the rain, in the middle of, she lives out in the middle of nowhere. I went and I got like 30 balloons from Party City and a Starbucks gift card and drove out to her house and almost died multiple times because I was flying out there. I just got my license 
I was hauling out to her house. It was raining and dark. I didn't know where it was. And so I dropped off balloons. And that, at that point, she probably knew. Was it for her birthday or you just It was randomly... one year of working there. Oh, or one year anniversary. One year anniversary. Okay, I got gotcha. you. That's very cool. And at that point, I know she went, can't get rid of this kid now. <laughs> and now she's my stepmom. So. And now she's your stepmom. Yes. Yeah. Which we could talk about maybe part two in a couple of years or something. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I know Tammy had a big impression on you, but Todd did too. Todd did. Both Todd was did. a good guy. I actually knew him yeah. when I was working in Clemens. Um, he was a really good guy. Um, so it was mainly some of your mentors that kind yeah. of did that. Did they ever come approach you and say, this is what I think? or No, they, uh, and I, th- I actually appreciate that from them, is they kind of let me find that path and guide that path. Because I think a lot of times we hear people say, oh, I think you'd be really good at this. And then we pigeonhole ourselves in that. And it's hard. And so I, it allowed me to kind of walk along alongside all those people and listen to God and listen to the calling without feeling pressured by the calling, yeah, which was really good. nice and really free. That's good. That's good. I mean, uh, yeah, that's that's really good. I've, I've, I think there's a lot of pressure for youth ministers right now t- from, like, the higher aboves to say, if you know anybody, because it, there's not as many people going and, and pursuing professional ministry. Right. Um, and so it's good that they're organically kind of doing that. Right. It, it's a shame because, again, it, it's... It's a catch-22. They want people to go in it, and yet it's super expensive. And they're not hiring. And they're not hiring. (laughs) You know, so how do you explain to a young kid, hey, maybe you should be a minister? Why? Well, there's no jobs. You're going to be in debt forever because it costs a lot of money to be prepared for these jobs. So it's And, again, there's different tracks. There's lay ministry. There's there's, uh, ordained ministry. And depending on what denomination you're listening to, you know, Sometimes the future looks a little more bright. Um, Mostly, you gotta wear shades. <laughs> exactly. Thanks. Um, so that's good. I'm, I'm glad that you've had that experience. But um, but then you had you were working for me for a while. We don't need to get too much into detail because I want to keep my job. Um, but um, we worked well. I mean, we did. Uh, it yeah. was a good uh, communication and. You kind of did what was expected, and, and um, yeah. it was good. I hope it was a good experience. I know it's kind of your second internship because you did your internship at your home church too. So, um, well, it was my first internship away from home. I didn't have the safety net, and sure. And I think you knew going into it, and I knew going into it that it's really hard to fire somebody from their home church, especially when the person you're working. Oh, it for happens. Is right, <laughs> especially when you're working for your stepmom. That's, that's, that's it makes dinner conversations really difficult. But you got to go home at the end of the day, and they didn't have to go home to dinner with me. And so you could have fired me. Hey, Mom, remember when you fired me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get you a birthday present because I don't have any money because you fired me. That's not, that's what never, are you thankful for this year? A parent who fires me for my job. Right. That's, that's never a good Christmas conversation. <laughs> it's really awkward lighting the advent wreath as a family doing that. So... <laughs> Yeah, but I I knew going into it, and because we were friends before him, and um, we had talked about it. But I knew that if I didn't pull my weight, I didn't do my job. You could fire me, and I appreciated that because it kept me accountable. It forced me not to get lazy, which everybody has a tendency to get lazy at their job if they get complacent or if they're just. Um, I mean, you could go off and do whatever every night. And, but 
Well, I think a lot of youth ministers, once they get to the point where they're making their congregation happy and all they have to do is just coast with that. Right. That's when it doesn't mean the work isn't, it doesn't mean it's um, not hard. Right. But at least you know what to expect and you kind of just stay in that lukewarmness. You don't right. move forward, you don't push yourself forward. Right. Which is, I think, part of the reason why youth ministry is not as big as it was 20 years ago or the church in well, general. I think, I think it's right. I think probably the best, the best analogy I have for this is skateboarding in general and is um, like you see guys doing this and uh, if, if they're not pushing the wheels and if they're not putting their foot down if they're just coasting along I mean that's fun I mean you get somewhere but eventually you stop and it doesn't become fruitful but guys like Tony Hawk and Bob Bernquist and any other skateboarder you know didn't sit there and not Tony push. Almeida yeah actually he's not a skateboarder he's a fictional character from 24 but it sounded good <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any skateboarders <laughs> I mean, they're all, they all push the limits, and you can't do that. You have to push the limits. You can't just rest. But you're right. I mean, you could coast on one and say, I'm, I'm skateboarding, and you and you are. Right. You know, it's the same way with youth ministry. And right. say, I'm, I'm doing youth ministry. Well, it, technically, I guess you are. Right. But are you, you know? answering? I think one thing that we, as youth ministers, have to continually ask ourselves, as, long, as well as our, our congregations and our um, programs, is, are we moving forward? Are we doing what God is calling us to do? Are we using our resources the way we should? And that's, if you don't continually ask yourself that, then the programs become stagnant. And eventually you don't, your program will not build relationships with your youth or with Christ with a solid foundation. And those relationships will end up dissipating and disappearing after they stop doing the lock-ins and after they stop doing whatever, the fun part. Sure. Which... Well, the the problem is when you create too much of that fun part and then they finish youth ministry, that's what they expect church to look like. Right. And pastors are not interested in having lock-ins for the middle-aged people. Right. You know? I I mean, really, that's not what it looks like. No. You know, they they expect more from them. And it's funny that we don't use the same expectations or ethos Mm -hmm. for youth. And, you know, studies show that that kind of mentality or philosophy of youth ministry is not sustainable. I mean, the the statistics are completely against you. Mm -hmm. But the problem is the institution sees it at that moment. Mm -hmm. And it's much easier to make the institution happy at that moment rather than challenging it, saying, you know what, we're going to get a little smaller, but I'm going to have a higher percentage continue through the life um, of the church. Um, and I think too many youth ministers fall into that. Right. And I think they fall into that for a couple of reasons. A, because they're scared and they want to keep their job. And I understand that. It's the Absolutely. reality. But B, because they don't have the support. Right. Um, and I will tell you that your boss determines how well you will succeed or how well your job will go. I've had some really hard positions and some great bosses and some really great positions and some not so great bosses and that makes it is if you have the full clergy support or however support that is. Absolutely. um, Who A, has the humility to understand that you're the youth minister, you're the professional and they don't know youth ministry simply because they're ordained so they have just they have the knowledge of it by osmosis like once the bishop you know, ordains them all of a sudden they know everything that we've studied for, right. you know, eight years. Um, so there, there has to be that humility, um, but the understanding and sharing of the vision too. Um, there's a lot of things. I mean, I can go on and on about that kind of, uh, quagmire, if you will, on a completely other episode. But, um, but I, I would say that support is going to make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. 
And so I would go back, kind of going full circle. When you start interviewing, you need to know who the senior pastor is. Right. And I would even almost request having a one-on-one with that person if you get to that point. Um, and just kind of lay it out and say, are you going to back me up? Right. You don't have to agree, and you might have to yell at me behind closed doors and say, right. don't do that again, but are you going to fully back me up? Right. You know, this is my vision. Um, and you're going to hear them say, I'm not worried about numbers, but they all are. Right. You know, you're always going to ha- hear the word but after I'm not worried about numbers. I'm not worried about numbers, but. Um, you need to explain to them that I am not worried about numbers and not have a but. And say, I am not worried right. about those. And, and, and I think... A, they're going to respect it, but B, if they don't give you the job because of who you are as your core as a youth minister, what you believe, then it's not your job. Right. You know, we don't do it for the money, um, obviously, because it's not a ton of money into it. Um, So why else would we do it if not to do it right? And I think that... Free printing. What's that? Free printing. Free printing. Cool business cards. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, Video games, hanging out with kids. Yeah. So... um, yeah, I would say that that's a very important thing, too. And then the education of parents. Yeah. And let them know this is what youth ministry is. I, that's the difficult thing about youth ministry is, and ministry in general is, you know, say you work at a 1,500-member church, we have 1,500-member jo- uh, bosses, and you have 1,500 different job descriptions. And what you need to do is kind of lay it all out there and say, this is what I'm doing. This is who I am. This yeah. is what we're going to focus on. Um, and educate them rather than allow them to educate you. You know, we don't go and hire doctors and say, this is what we think a doctor should be. And the doctor goes, yeah, I will fulfill that. I try and do that with my father, and it doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) It might sometimes. No. (laughs) No. It doesn't. Every time time I tell him him that he's doing a surgery wrong, he looks at me and goes, no. Yeah, and and I, I use the analogy of the doctor not to sound so prestigious, but because that's probably the most black and white one you can look at. You know, right. We go to school, if you get your master's degree, which you will one day, I know you will, we go to school just as much as, a, as an MD. Right. Even for some youth ministers, not all, some youth ministers, I don't know if they went to school at all, but right. you know, a lot of us professionals are the, the smaller percentage that really take it very seriously. We went to school just as long, so I think there needs to be a level of that. But also, there, there is a communitive... Um, understanding that the Holy Spirit is guiding us and it's not hierarchical. So you have to find that fine line to walk on and say, I'm a professional, I know what I'm doing, but they have just as much to offer. Right. But you need to teach them that too. I think that's the hardest thing right. is to let them understand that you're kind of leading and guiding them. And if they're thinking they're the ones leading and guiding you, then I think the integrity is lost and right. you can't move forward. Right. You know? Another suggestion I would have is if you don't have to have a youth council, don't. <laughs> It just turns into a complaining forum. Oh, That's man. all it is. If people want, you know, are upset with you, then have, have one-on-ones. Yeah. Be in a coffee shop like we are right now and have conversations. Yeah. You know, um, don't don't give people opportunity to have like the big gatherings or stuff like that because I think the more meetings and committees we create. I think the less space there is for the Holy Spirit to work within right. it. I had a pastor I worked for one time where he had to run the church council meeting, and he, he hated it, but it was part of his job. And he had a bell with him, and every time that he felt that they were getting too business-like, you know, they would be arguing over Robert's Rules of Orders, and I've seen it, it's ridiculous, yeah. um, he would ring the bell. And that was them 
knowing that he's reminding them that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be guiding us, that we're a theocracy, that it's all about Christ. It's not about the business model that you know at Wells Fargo, because that's what I do for a living. And most churches, you know, the people that help run it are bankers and doctors and stuff like that. So they try to kind of eisegete their own well, experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and what I think they need to do, and, and there's good to that. Right. But, um... I think we need to teach our congregations to understand that church needs to be ran a completely different way. I've had, I remember I had a position where one year I had to do a annual evaluation and I literally did the exact same one that Wachovia Wells Fargo did. It even had the emblem and we did the same thing. And and for us to do an annual um, thing like that, that, that doesn't understand the context of what ministry is. That was very difficult to fulfill, you know, because they're talking about quotas and how many. And and I know the episcopacy of churches, like um, the hierarchy in any denomination, they expect some of that, which I think maybe we need to change um, the language of that. And I I think they do a little bit, but they don't actually change the logistics. I'm getting very technical. I'm going to shut up now. (laughs) I think that's right. I think the beauty of a church is that we're bringing that your congregation is not a congregation of ministers or pastors or whatever. They're your congregation and they come from all walks of life and some of them are multi-million dollar a year CEOs of companies and some of them are the tellers at the Wachovia or some of them work at McDonald's. And some well, nobody's work. a teller at Wachovia anymore. Yeah, they're all Wells Fargo tellers. Oh yeah, I guess Wachovia's gone. Yeah, it got swallowed up. Yep. People are probably like, what's Wachovia? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so yeah, yeah. the teller at the bank and things like that. And so they bring their their experience and their walks of life, which is valuable. But then a lot of times what we have problems doing is, and this is a lot of our fault in the professional ministry world, is, all right, you brought this to the table. You Now, how do we use it? Let me help you to interpret this and take your skills and put it in the context of church instead of sitting there and going, well, I know how to save you 15% or more on your car insurance by switching to Geico. I'm like, well, I don't drive cars for a living. That's not very helpful. But how do we how do we do this and how do we put things in there? Sure. A good context. Speaking of Geico, do you have Geico? No. I don't even know anybody who has it. I did for my motorcycle for a little while. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, okay. But then every time I made a claim, they just sent a lizard to check it out, and I didn't know what to do. That's a little creepy, especially if it happened in times that you didn't want a lizard to come. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Squirrel. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we're getting really technical about it, but um, we're we're, basically we're having this conversation just to kind of help you out in... um, Articulating your perspective of what youth ministry is because these churches are going to want to hear that. Right. Um, and you need to let them know that I'm interviewing you too. Right. I mean, that's very important. A, they respect that. And B, they, um, I think they'll open up a little bit where it's not just a one way. Right. Um, and it's a good experience for you to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and you're never going to find a church that is 100% perfect for what you want to do. Right. But I think that you have to be willing, you, you have to understand that there. If you do pick a church, there's going to be things that you don't care for, right. but um, that you have to respect. Right. But then there are people who will just take a job that is the exact opposite of 
who they are as a youth minister right. simply because it looks good or because it's the only full-time job in the area. Right. And um, I've seen too many youth ministers do that where I know at their core who they are right. and what they agree with and what they don't. Right. And um, and then they end up taking this job or position, and I'm like, why? Yep. You know, yeah, it looks great, but man, I, I'll tell you, that's just... It wastes your time. It wastes the church's time. Right, and you there's know, no amount of there's no amount of money that can keep your sanity and soul intact yes, there is. if you're doing. All right, well, I don't know what it is, but I'm sure there's. I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, look, the reality is, if I could, there's no amount of money in youth ministry <laughs> that would ever. <laughs> People always ask me if I would do another job, and the reality is, is no, unless one job came along. And I know that job, but it's, it hasn't opened up yet. If I could be a billionaire's butler, like Alfred Pennyworth from Batman. But you'd have to be a butler of a guy who's a vigilante at night, not just a random billionaire, right? Right. No, no, okay. I would yeah, want yeah. him to, or at least like the George Clooney, we go to Africa. Actually, I really don't want to go to Africa either. There's still stuff that eats you there. But I, I, if at least somebody who's like excited. Like if I had to be the butler for like... Forgive me for the Jonas Brothers, but I don't see them doing anything like spelunking or doing anything cool like that every now and then. So, so if you were with like a billionaire and they went spelunking, would you go with them? And if so, would you be wearing your tuxedo? Yes. Okay. Well, probably not like probably not my wool tuxedo, but I would probably have my spelunking gear made with the satin lines down the side of the pants. And, and at least like a bow tie maybe printed on it so you kind of keep the same uniform. I think I could wear like a, Under Armour with a bow tie? Yeah, I think I could wear a bow tie. I think I would probably get Under Armour to make me a bow tie at this point. Okay, okay. But you'd have to have a collar though because if it just stuck yeah. around, you'd, it'd be, it would be a little weird. That would be a little weird. You look like a Chippendales dancer. Exactly. I was thinking Patrick Swayze and Chris Farley skit from Saturday Night Live. That's, you'd have to have a collar. It'd be, it'd be very awkward. Yeah. Um, I can see that. I, I, as long as it's, as long as they still pay you and give you a day off every once in a while, or I don't. Here's the thing, though. Is I've, I've thought about this. Like, okay. like clearly, you were, you were, you have a more serious face now than when we talked about youth ministry oh, and your family life. Okay, so so I've thought about this. Is I don't really want to get paid. I don't want to fill out a W two or a salary or anything like that. I just need access to a credit card of a slush fund because it totally <laughs> eliminates taxes. So I just need to be able to buy like. The occasional bow tie for my tuxedo and like I want to the occasional Lamborghini, Lamborghini. yeah <laughs> or like just let me have the keys to yours I have to go take them to get them gassed up anyways so <laughs> so what if it takes me two days to do it you have your own uh, gas station in your garage no I need it at least off of our or would you have your own gas station and you would have it further enough away so you could so I drive. have to take it there yeah because yeah. you have to know if the car runs and things like that sure absolutely and, I understand that yeah. I mean you know nothing about cars but I, I get that right yeah like I can go to the Jiffy Lube and be like my car sounds like wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and the guy looks at me and goes what's it sir that's like? the Batmobile <laughs> <laughs> right he's like so, uh, what's it sound like again and then he's like hey Terry come here make that noise again <laughs> so then I'll, eventually all of them at Jiffy Lube are listening to me go wah, wah, wah. And then they're like, sir, your parking brake's been on for this whole time. I'm like, thank you. Would you have a fake accent? I think so. You think so? I think I would probably go, like, for, like... The very high British? No, I, I think that's a little too overdone. I mean, Alfred did it well. I think I would go for, like, either... Who, Michael Caine? Like, Michael Caine didn't very have a very... He's like, I'm Michael Caine. Yeah, I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> Hello, I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> 
Vasabers. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. And I think I would go, I think I would rewrite the pages of Butlerism, and I think I would go with, like, either Scottish. So you would create a book, too? You'd be a published author about Butlers? Yeah. Okay. I mean, people need to know how to do this right. I think I could do it right. There's <laughs> probably not a lot of butlers. Like, they don't need to have, like, a, a butler school, even though that would be cool. What's up? Yeah, right? I can so run bu- Would you get a pencil-thin mustache? No, I don't think... I think I look well, you're, weird. Well, you're redhead, yeah. so I, yeah, it might look... It might look weird. Not because it's a pencil-thin mustache, but because it's, it's red hair. Red hair, yeah. yeah. Totally. I think it just look weird. But I think I would go with, like, either Scottish or Australian. There's not a whole lot of famous butlers out of this. Do you Scott Australian? You can work on that. (laughs) (laughs) They can take our land, but they can't take our shrimp on the barbie. (laughs) Just because you you say something that an Australian would say doesn't make an Australian. Pretty sure it does. I've seen Crocodile Dundee. I know how this works. (laughs) Seriously, is that my boomerang, (laughs) mate? Okay, so so Garrison Pollock, future youth minister, youth minister now, unless a butler job of a lifetime comes around. So that's what we learned today. So, is there anything else you got? Um, last night I fell down the stairs, like two flights of stairs. Like outside of your, like the outside metal ones or whatever. Yes. Oh, that's that's fantastic. I was walking downstairs to go for a walk with my friend Campbell, and I totally just missed the first step and fell. Like Home Alone style, down two flights of stairs, and the pug that lives right next to me came and gave no care about whether I was injured, but he gave me so many kisses on my face. Well, maybe that was him caring that you were injured.